Yes, live from the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio. Worried about radon? We install custom mitigation systems. Reduce your risk. To find out more, visit dlbasementsystems.com for a free estimate. Welcome to Big Show Hour 4. I'm Patrick Dumas. I got GVP. Got intern Shan with us as well. And we go down that Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. 15-time Consumer Choice Award winner at 6060 Memorial Drive Northeast. For pickup or delivery, call 403-248-3344. And uh, we head out east. We head to Toronto. We talk with Ben Schulman. You'll hear him in the pre- and post-game uh, shows for on the, on the Sportsnet Radio Network for Toronto Blue Jays games. Does play-by-play as well. Ben Schulman, thank you very much for joining me, Ben. Uh, how is? I uh, hope you enjoyed your, very, your long weekend and uh, get ready to go here. Get ready for the All-Star break. Hey, thanks so much for having me on. Yeah, I, I would say, you know, really aside from the... the uh, Three blue teams yeah. that went down. It was a great long weekend. <laughs> Hope you had a good Canada Day too. And uh, looking forward to this home stretch before there's a little time off. Yeah, very well rested for sure. Yeah, we'll we'll start that with the with the with the series they just completed with the Red Sox. The struggles versus the AL East, seven and twenty now, uh, swept by the Red Sox, albeit close in the final two games. But just a, a thought on this uh, weekend series as uh, Alex Cora was uh, was fueling the fire before the series, and he came away with a sweep. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, it, it, it's it's pretty clear that it's not very acceptable for a team with playoff aspirations to play like this against the division. You mentioned it, the last two were close. You go to game one, that game was, was completely done, uh, you know, kind of in that fifth, sixth inning when the Red Sox yeah. started teeing off. But it was it was a culmination of a, of a lot of bad things. The Blue Jays have actually played pretty well going into that series. Mm-hmm. They had won three series in a row. I think there was some renewed optimism. Uh, but they had a mix, you know, again, not a ton of offense. They do come up with six runs in the second game, which was a solid offensive performance, although a lot of it came late. And they haven't had offense a lot for a lot of this season, and they've paired that at least with really solid starting pitching that's given them a good chance. And they did not get nearly the best starting pitching that they got, the three guys on there. I Mm -hmm. still hesitate to really throw much there. Best day Barrio start. He keeps them in the game for a while. Those three home runs to the middle. Jason has one of his worst starts of the year. And then Kevin Gosman has a start that's good for everyone else, but you expect him to go for five games uh, and five innings, two runs is not incredible. Again, I hesitate to really put it all on the starters because mm-hmm. you also have meaningful late runs scored against the bullpen in both games, two and three. I mean, Frankly, Pat, it was they just played pretty poorly in, in all phases of the game. <laughs> yeah, it it just feels and it, it always comes seems against these teams that they're battling with for wild card spots and in this division. And this is something that's kind of new for this group of Blue Jays teams. Like this is a, a club that usually plays pretty well against the teams in their division. And I know the division is a lot better than it has been in the past. Obviously, Tampa Bay is a, a force, and Baltimore's probably gotten here a lot sooner than people expected, but do you have a sense to why they struggle so much right now versus the AL East? I think if I had to pick one thing, and it is tough, because you mentioned, like, last year they were good against the division. They yeah. they were 43-33, and 33, and it was still a really good division last year. They The Red Sox were the worst team at, I think, six games below mm-hmm. 500. That's not a bad baseball team at all, but I, I really think this year that because of what they aren't producing offensively right now, um, they have to play very margin-free baseball. And the teams in the division, like it's not like, you know, you go to 
the NL West, another good division. And it's like, okay, the Diamondbacks are going to score a lot, but the Dodgers can really pitch and the Giants are going to pitch and play good defense. In the AL East, it's really a bunch of juggernaut offenses for the most part. Yeah. I mean, Tampa Bay is about as good as it gets. Baltimore is a one through nine beast of a lineup. The Yankees, because of injuries, probably are winning a couple more games by pitching than they usually would. But then the Red Sox, you know, despite being, you know, the worst team in the division, stack up better than mm-hmm. even some of the other teams in the division, Blue Jays included, in terms of runs per game. And so I, I think the, the Blue Jays are having difficulty sometimes keeping up in these slugfests where you, you can't count on your starting pitchers to have great days two, three days in a row against even a team like Boston. They have too many weapons, and the Blue Jays aren't getting enough of those seven, eight-run days that you don't expect every day, but you need once in a while to win some high-scoring games. Uh, now they get a chance to maybe head into the All-Star break on a high, playing some teams uh, a little bit below them in the standings for sure. The AL Central we know is uh, is not the greatest division, but they'll play three with the White Sox, then three with the Detroit Tigers. Uh, is there a chance that they can kind of, over the next week here, get things right? Obviously, Chicago and Detroit, obviously through their struggles and whatnot. But do you think this could be a week where Toronto could get this thing right and then heading into that All-Star break, who knows, you could be looking at seven games above five hundred. Yeah, I, I think definitely there's an opportunity here. I mean, you know, the, the White Sox have been quite poor this yeah. year. It's shockingly, they're, you know, you'd think they would be ahead of the Tigers <laughs> in the standings, to be honest. With yeah, it was not. And, Tony La Russa was not the problem. No, no. Although Jose Abreu going out the door yeah. not this year yeah. has hurt them as well. But yeah, I, I think this is a chance, you know, before the Blue Jays were swept. I would have said four and two. That's something that I think you look at. Mm-hmm. And still, like, you can't get mad if they win both series. I think these these are Major League Baseball oh, yeah, teams. Of course. But I, I think there is an opportunity for the Blue Jays, who kind of realized that this was a really bad weekend for them, to, to hopefully, you know, catch a little bit of heat here against some weaker opponents going into the break. And, you know, if they could go five and one, let's say, which is a maybe wishful thinking, mm-hmm. but if they can go five and one, they do enter the break then nine games above 500, which for everything that's gone on this season, and, and even with the sweep that happened last week and them playing poorly, I mean, they are still, you know, five games up from 500 and two games back from the playoffs with 77 yeah. games remaining. So, I think this is a good shot for them. They continue to rate out as the team that's played one of the toughest schedules mm-hmm. in baseball. So I think it, it'll be nice for them to try and get these, you know, couple, I don't want to say easy, but, you know, maybe comfortable series wins here. Um, and, and just try and take that momentum into what's going to be a really tough stretch against Arizona and a lot of West Coast teams coming up after the break. Uh, tonight's uh, pitching matchup, uh, Chris Bassett up against Lucas Giolito. Now, Chris Bassett, uh, he's had some struggles of late. He's got the fourth highest ERA since June 13th and the second highest opponent average. Uh, so I say there's concerns about Chris Bassett. What have you seen maybe from his game over the last few starts? Yeah, so I think especially when you look at there was kind of a three-start pocket, mm-hmm. Baltimore, Texas, Oakland. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was really victimized by left-handed hitters. In the Baltimore game, he gave up homers to Adam Frazier batting left, Gunnar Henderson batting left, and Ryan O'Hearn batting left. And the just similar, even the athletics, mm-hmm. you know, they pulled two of their best players for what that's worth and, <laughs> and put all left-handed hitters essentially in the lineup because, you know, the numbers don't lie. He gives up, you know, a, an on-base plus slugging about twice as high against lefties than righties this year. I will say I thought it was encouraging to see what he did against San Francisco, though. His last start, six innings, set a career high in strikeouts with 12, 
no runs, gave up three hits, and they had a good number of left-handed hitters in the lineup. All three hits came against left-handed batters, but they were all singles. Mm-hmm. Or It was one double, I think, from Patrick Bailey. Oh, no, that was later in the game. They were all singles. <laughs> yeah. So um, I, I think that you know if he can just keep lefties mm-hmm. for the most part in the ballpark, not especially thinking about the two teams coming up here who aren't necessarily going to have as deep of a lineup mm-hmm. as a San Francisco or a Texas or a Baltimore might, if he can keep the lefties in the ballpark for the most part, he's dominated right-handed hitting this year. Obviously, there's more righties than lefties on most teams. So I think for him, it's just about limiting the damage right now when left-handed batters are up. Uh, th- this team has been uh, pretty overtaxed in the rotation, obviously, since they sent uh, Alec Manoa down to figure out what's going on with him. Uh, he made a start uh, with the Fisher Cats in New Hampshire over the weekend, struck out 10 in some uh, wet conditions, uh, but that's got to be super encouraging after what went down in the FCL. He had his fastball up between 93 and 95. That command was there, but what did you make out of uh, Alec Manoa's uh, first start with the Fisher Cats? And uh, I know John Schneider mentioned that he'll probably make a couple more uh, starts probably down in Buffalo. Yeah, I think it's it's very encouraging. You know, it, it's interesting, the complex league starts and stuff like mm-hmm. that. It's a very different environment for both Manoa and the hitters. The oh, hitters are not hitting in a similar way that major league hitters would say they swing at everything. And, and for them, that clearly worked out against Manoa in that FCL start. But mm-hmm. I think that the New Hampshire start starts to get more representative of what major leaguers are like. Yeah. Some people, that's kind of one call away from the big leagues. Uh, cool for New Hampshire, too, who mm-hmm. never actually had Alec Manoa as a minor leaguer, yeah. that they get to sell a bunch of tickets and, and have Manoa there, which I think is a lot of fun. But I, I, I think it's definitely encouraging. I'm still, you know, I, I, I he looked great. The numbers were great. He walked three and hit one. And so I still look at that a little bit and just think, you know, is there still a little bit more ground to make up? Could they be asking him to be a bit more in the zone still? Because that was one of the biggest problems was mm-hmm. that he was walking a ton of guys before he got sent down. So um, I think it's very encouraging. I think it's one of the first professional positive starts he's had in months. And I think with confidence being one of the things that they were looking to establish down there, that that could only, you know, help him uh, as a guy who, you know, when he's going is as confident as anyone in major league baseball. So I, I think it's, it's a really good step in the right direction. Maybe it, you know, lays some groundwork that he could make another start or two and, and get back to this team after the all-star break. Because like you said, I mean, it's both rotation and bullpen yeah. are both taxed because of this, because the starters, if they're more taxed, aren't going as deep into games. Plus there's bullpen days. Sometimes it would really just help the whole club out overall, whether it's Manoa or Hyunjin Ryu, yeah. I actually believe is scheduled to make a rehab start today, mm-hmm. if I'm uh, if I'm not mistaken. So regardless of of who it is, or if it's even both, and it's a piggyback situation, I, I just think them getting a fifth arm back in the rotation would be really helpful. This team was was really good in terms of stacking up rotation numbers before Manoa went down, and they've still been good without him, but it's it's obviously a bit of a strain on all their arms. Yeah, you, you mentioned Ryu there, about a month away, probably from making a, an impact with the Blue Jays, but yeah, Scott Mitchell had the tweet over the weekend, he's going to make a rehab start either at FCL or Single-A Dunedin, I haven't seen which is yet, but yeah, Ryu's getting close, he's down 30 pounds, uh, can the Jays wait, like, okay, I should say, what do you think will happen with Hyunjin Ryu, 
and even Chad, obviously Chad Green will help out the bullpen. But what what happens with Ryu when he comes back? Is this uh, is he thrown right into the the rotation? Is he going to be just kind of eased in, or are they going to continue to try and maybe add to this pitching rotation through through the trade deadline and whatnot as as they try to get Ryu uh, acclimatized back to uh, major league pitching? I would guess if they feel that Ryu is healthy enough, yeah. that they would rather roll with him and maybe. Like maybe it's not making Trevor Richards a full starter mm-hmm. so that you can use him a little bit more throughout the week, but maybe on Ryu days, Ryu goes four, and if he's looking really good, maybe five, and Richards is ready to pitch an inning or two to bridge them to some of the higher leverage guys just because it costs a lot to bring starting pitchers oh, yeah. in, a lot of prospect capital. And there are guys out there, you know, I, I've at least – taking a look at someone like, you know, Michael Lorenzen for the Tigers, who actually the Blue Jays might see mm-hmm. coming up this week. Uh, he's on a one-year deal, which is always helpful when you're trying to make these trades. His ERA is right around four. I, I don't think they're trading for, like, a top-of-the-rotation guy. They've spent enough mm-hmm. money and prospect capital and just have to, you know, kind of hope that the guys they have are going to be their top-of-the-rotation guys. But I, I would lean that they go with a mix of either Ryu and a reliever. Maybe it's Manoa and a reliever. Maybe Manoa's back enough that they go to a six-man rotation, yeah. kind of, where Ryu pitches sometimes and they can use it to you know skip people and move people around in certain spots. Um, I, I really think all of that is possible, but I would lean that they'll use the guys starting pitching-wise in the organization over making a trade. We're talking with uh, Ben Schulman, uh, co-host of the pre- and post-game show over on the Sportsnet Radio Network for the Toronto Blue Jays. Also does some play-by-play as well. Uh, Jays sending four players to the All-Star game. Vladimir Guerrero Jr. is going to be in the home run derby. But uh, Vlad, Bichette, Merrifield, Gosman will be the four uh, representing the Jays down in Seattle. Uh, thoughts on those four going to the All-Star game? Yeah, I'm very happy for those guys. Uh, you know, I think we, we were all pretty confident I would say about like Bo Bichette, Kevin Gosman, those two felt yeah. like, you know, pretty good locks, but great for, you know, someone like Whit Merrifield too, who, you know, has been an all-star before and really is having uh, you know, one of his better seasons in a while and providing a lot of value to this Blue Jays team to get the selection. He was, uh, it was first time since 2021. Mm-hmm. So that's fun for him. Vladdy, of course, you know, I think has started to turn it on recently. I still think the Blue Jays probably would ask for more, but he has definitely started to turn it on recently, and I think that maybe helps get the recognition there to get him picked by uh, the managers mm-hmm. for the reserve spot as well. The only thing I would say is I- I'm pretty surprised, and I know this isn't like the most timely uh, time to mention it, but I'm pretty surprised that Jordan Romero yeah. didn't, remake- didn't make it. Um, he was major league leader in saves going into yesterday, and the ZRA is good. I know he like quite literally just gave up a home run to lose a game, <laughs> but uh, I I do think and did think that he had put together uh, a body of work that was good enough to be there with the elite closers of the American League. And I would wonder too if there is any you know people end up getting injured, yeah. or backing out for whatever reasons. If if he could end up being one of the first reserves in on that team, because that's that's how he got in last year, wasn't he? he was a reserve or was that? Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. he was a replacement. Yeah, so yeah. Who who knows what happens? But yeah, we're hoping to see uh, Jordan Romano and get to Seattle for sure. We're talking. Or uh, uh, want to get away from the Jays here. Uh, we'll go to the rest of the Major League Baseball just a little bit as, here before we close out. Uh, it's halfway point of the season. How do you think the new rules have uh, have has made the game better for you? Worse about the same? Obviously, I'm thinking it's made the game better for me. 
Yeah, I enjoyed a lot more. I was in the minors last year yeah. and got to see the pitch clock work down there. And those games are even faster because oh, less commercials and less, <laughs> less all that stuff. But um, I, I, I really enjoyed it. I would, I would wonder, like, if I went around to, to baseball fans to ask them how often they even notice the clock. Like, sure, on the violation, then you remember. But for the most part, I, I feel like it is really kind of on the back burner where the clock is and what it's doing because the guys – are so acclimated to it at this point that mm-hmm. you pretty rarely ever see the violations. Uh, the shift rules, I, I think, are good. I mean, I, I will say coming from last year, I thought that they, they might underwhelm people once they went mm-hmm. to the majors just because, you know, there's still like the quote-unquote drift. Your shortstop can play almost right up the middle if he wants to. You can't put someone in the outfield, so it's helped Joey Gallo and a couple of guys out. But, uh, you know, there still is the ground ball up the middle getting stopped. So I, I don't have an issue with the rule. I just think sometimes it may not have been as drastic of a yeah. change as people thought it could be. And then uh, I would be lying if I even told you that I remembered about the bigger bases yeah. until you asked me this <laughs> question. So, uh, I mean, there are more stolen bases. I think that's probably more clock-related than bigger bases related, mm-hmm. but they're all working together. Yeah, and I think uh, I don't think there has been too many injuries with guys sliding into the bases. I think that's helped out too. So, yeah, I think yeah. overall, I think the rules have not, have not hurt the game at all. Uh, out in Los Angeles, Shohei Otani continues to do unthinkable things with a baseball bat. 15 home runs, 29 RBIs in the month of June. We're talking triple crown for this guy. He could win a Cy Young as well. This guy's unbelievable, but Juan Soto thinks he's going to have trouble uh, pitching to the Padres over their next uh, series here. But uh, just a thought on Shohei and uh, what he's been doing with the Angels. and It's just just tough seeing him play with, with LA, with, with how they are. Yeah. <laughs> I, I will say it's probably coming to its end, which yeah. is, some, is the positive. Thank is, God. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm selfishly hoping that at least I actually don't think they'll trade him. But if they're going to trade him, at least they won't do it until the Angels visit the Blue Jays coming up uh, at the end of July, because that would be a lot of fun to see Shohei and Trout there. But you know, I, I try not to be too much of a prisoner of the moment. You know, like the greatest player in every sport always seems to play. You know, like. He's, could this guy be the greatest ever? Is LeBron the greatest? Was Michael? Was Wilt? Um, but what Shohei Otani does is simply just hasn't been done. Like, even, you know, Babe Ruth in his greatest seasons pitching were not his greatest seasons hitting. They came almost entirely separate from each other when he was a full-time mm-hmm. pitcher and full-time hitter. Shohei, like, like you said, I mean, he could win the Triple Crown and fight for the ERA title. You know, he could win the Cy Young and the MVP, but not like the way Kershaw or Verlander did it as two completely separate entities. Like he's, you know, I'm not in a baseball pool, but I would imagine you have to like divide him into two players or something like that. It couldn't be fair to have Shohei. Yeah. You you have to have the pitcher Shohei or the hitter Shohei. Can't have both. Yeah. (laughs) My dad used to tell me like in their (laughs) hockey pools, you would draft like Gretzky assists because you're not going to draft like Gretzky. That would just dominate the pool. And Shohei's kind of like that. He's on a whole different stratosphere to everyone else in Major League Baseball. Like, they should just make a non-Shohei MVP award and give him his own award every year, pretty much. But it, it is awesome. I think he's, you know, he, he's such a fun guy to tune in every night, even for the most you know casual of baseball fans. If you turn on an Angels game right now and, and watch Shohei and even Trout, who's not having his best year, but is still Mike Trout right behind him, like, it, it's hard to get more fun than that combo in the lineup, and, and Shohei is the headliner these days. 
Yeah, man. Like Shohei is just it, what he's done for Major League Baseball. And I, I just want to say, like, like Ronald Acuna Jr. and any other year would also probably be getting a lot of love is what he's doing with the Atlanta Braves. But uh, those for two, sure. I'm just like, who would you want to start a franchise with? The, the throw ages out the window, Shohei or Ronald Acuna Jr.? I think probably leaning to Shohei because he could pitch, right? Yeah, I was going to say, with age is the only time yeah. I think where you ponder it. As, as phenomenal of a player as Ronald Acuna Jr. is, he's just amazing and sensational but if but if you throw age out the window or if you're just doing like a three-year run or yeah. something like that I, I i don't think there is someone more valuable than shohei he's arguably the best hitter in the game yeah. and he is one of the better starting pitchers in the game uh, he's absolutely phenomenal to watch ben thank you so much uh for uh for joining me uh enjoy the baseball this week we'll do this again soon buddy thank you so much always happy to come on